Um, if I've not met you before, hi, my name is Tom, and um, I'm married to Jess, this lovely lady over here. We've got four kids and one dog, and um, yeah, uh, praise God. Um, it's not the other way around, one kid and four dogs, but um, that's, that's all I want to say about that. Um, <laughs> Uh, just briefly, guys, just want to continue to draw our attention to the fact that God is with us and that that's good news. Otherwise, we're wasting our time. What are we doing here? And um, it feels like, I don't know if you guys sense it, like we're in the middle of, as a community, it feels like. And I think for some of us as individuals, I know I've had conversations with a lot of you guys. It feels like we're in the middle of kind of a reorientation around Jesus, around God, around life with him and life with each other. And this is really good news. Um, God in his kindness is honoring his word that when we seek him, we will be found by him. And that's just amazing. He's such a kind and good and gracious God. Because the thing is, I can't earn, you can't earn his favor, but he delights to reveal himself to us because he knows it's the best thing for us. So we are learning how to come and talk with God. Uh, and like, I love what Frank prayed, like, God, help us even want this. Because there's days where it's like, I don't want this, God. I don't, I don't want to be seen by you right now. You know, you know those mornings when you wake up and you're like, I hope no one sees me. You look in the mirror. Actually, last night, Thomas and Susie came over for dinner. And uh, I, I looked in the mirror after and I was like, man, my hair looks so bad. And my kids were like, yeah, we didn't know what to, to tell you. It's just so bad. Um, I don't know. Anyways, so you know those days where you're just like, I don't want anyone to see me. Uh, we have those days with God, but it's, it's incredible. Like I think Jess was saying, but he's always willing. He's knocking at the door. It's just a matter of, of us opening up to him. And so I pray that this morning we do that. I'm just so grateful for his presence and his faithfulness to us as we bumble along. So thank you, God. Um, we are focusing our attention, guys. This series is called Practicing the Presence of God. We were talking about this, this whole idea of the presence of God. Like, does it matter? Yes, it's the center of everything we need to be doing. That's what we're created for, to know and live in that presence. But what is God actually like? That's what we talked about last week. We have to surrender our own wrong pictures of who God is and trust Jesus that he's going to reveal to us what God is really like. And we talked about the prodigal son story that paints a picture of a father who is longing for deep, real, intimate relationship with the real you. Not the version that you think you need to be, not the version that you post on Instagram or other social media, but the real broken version of you. That's what he's after. That's where he's calling out, where are you? Where are you? Let me see you. I want you to see me seeing you, and I want that to be the thing that transforms you. If only we'd believe it, right? And this is where it gets tricky. And so today, what I want to talk about is, um, I want to look at a question, I think it's tethered to the question we looked at last, last week, which was, who is God? What is God like? I, want to, I felt like God wanted us to spend some time this morning thinking about who are we? And how does God see us? So I think this same question applies to us. What, what are the wrong pictures we have of ourselves that we need to surrender to God? That, that are going to enable us to come before God more easily, more readily, with more boldness, like we were learning about this morning from Hebrews 4? How do we learn who we are in Christ, and how can that shape and transform how we are? And what if the very thing we were just praying about, uh, what if a wrong understanding of, of who we are is diminishing who we are and how we show up to God and other people? 
What if, what if our effectiveness in the mission of God in, in an ability to, to point people towards Jesus is rooted in like a wrong understanding of who we are and how God sees us? And so my goal today is, is an experiential revelation of who you are in Christ. And so I need help with that. I can't do that with any, you know, notes I have here. So I'm just going to pray for us. And if you guys want to, if you're open for this, if you want this today, I just want to encourage you just to open up your hands. And I'm just going to invite God to come and keep revealing himself to us this morning. Come Holy Spirit. God, here we are. A, a bunch of people who are doing our best to, to be human beings and not doing so great at it very often. People who struggle, Lord, with, with who we are, understanding who we are and how to live that out and are we forgiven or aren't we forgiven or are we new creation or not a new creation or all these things, Lord, can, can crowd our minds or who do they want me to be? All these things, Lord, can flood into our minds and shape how we interact with you and with the world around us. And so I just invite you to come right now, God, and rearrange what needs to be rearranged in us. That as we open up your word and as we uh, spend some time just reflecting on this, that Holy Spirit, you would you would rewrite people's stories this morning, that you would realign what's gotten off kilter, that you would outline and, and fill in the picture of who we are in you, Jesus, today in a new way. I cannot do this in my own strength, God, and so I need your help. So please come help me. Use, use the words I have. Use these pages of notes to, to, may they be like, you know, loaves and fishes, God. Multiply them. May they nourish us and may there be some left over to share with other people. So we love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, years ago, um, our second daughter, Hannah, went through a phase where she wanted to wear as many dresses as possible. And uh, she would walk around with like three or four dresses, multiple tiaras. Like if she could have worn more than one pair of shoes, she would have more, worn more than one pair of shoes. But she was all about just like being just like as beautiful as she could be. And she is a beautiful kid. But she, she would ask me this question, and it's kind of stuck with me as I think about this whole idea of identity. And she, she would kind of, the other thing that's funny is she, would, she had this shopping cart, and she would have all this stuff. She looked like a homeless woman. So she had like a bag, she looked like a bag lady, and she'd walk around, and she'd, she'd kind of like trip into the room with all of her stuff on. She'd be like, like flip her hair, Daddy, what do you think of me? It was like the most adorable thing ever. My heart just melted. Like, you're the most beautiful human being, you know, like all this stuff. And that, I think, is, is a helpful picture of us. We're like, we, we stumble into the room and we're like, Father, what do you think of me? And, and for a lot of us, like, that question remains to be answered. What, what do you think of me, Father? Do you love me? Do you want me around? Am I too much? Am I a mess? Like, can I bring my shopping cart full of stuff? And yeah, you can. And yeah, he does love you. And he thinks very highly of you. And so this is really important for us. And there's a, there's a quote uh, that we reference often by A.W. Tozer that says, the most important thing about you is what you think about God. But C.S. Lewis, there's a, rival, there's a, there's a battle happening here. C.S. Lewis says something different. So let's just, let's read the words of C.S. Lewis as we start this morning. So uh, this is him speaking. I read in a periodical the other day that the fundamental thing is how we think of God. By God himself, it is not. Heyo. 
How God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. Indeed, how we think of him is of no importance except insofar as it is related to how he thinks of us. It is written that we shall stand before him, shall appear, shall be inspected. The promise of glory is the promise, almost incredible and only possible by the work of Christ. That some of us, that any of us who really, that he really, who really chooses, shall actually survive that examination, shall find approval, shall please God. To please God, to be real, sorry, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness, to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in as an artist delights in his work or a father and a son, it seems impossible. A weight or burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain, but so it is. So think about this for a second. Is it harder for you to, to mull over, to think, to keep in your mind a compliment or a Yeah, criticism. There's some stat, I can't remember the exact figure, but it's like it takes a hundred nice things to erase one negative thing or something along those lines. We would all probably agree with that. that yeah, it's so easy to, to grab a hold of and live into criticism rather than a compliment. So if this is true like on a small scale, like you know, if someone thinks your hair looks stupid, like my ch children did last night, working through it, no, I'm just kidding. But like, it's easier to live into that than to receive this fact that I'm a beloved child of God. It's way easier to be like, maybe I should talk to Josh about getting my hair cut or like, you know. Do you know what I mean though? I mean, I'm making kind of light of the situation, but it's easier to believe I am a worthless piece of garbage than to believe I'm a beloved child of God. And that's what I think C.S. Lewis is getting at. Because e even in that, that, there's something of God that is revealed. That he is a gracious, good father. And I think our fear, our tendency could be like, oh, I'm going to become self-centered. It's all going to be about me. If I think about my identity or what God thinks about me. And actually, it's the opposite. It makes us more humble. It makes us more um, surrendered to a good and gracious God. So, it is harder to receive a compliment than a criticism. So the question still remains. We walk into the room. We stumble into the room with all of our get up on. We're trying to look beautiful. Father, what do you think of me? What do you think of me, Father? We talked about this last week that we are made to look for someone looking for us. Or we're made to see someone seeing us and not turn away. That's our fear, right? Someone's going to see me. I'm not going to be enough. They're going to leave the room. They're going to see this terrible thing about me and that's going to be it. The relationship will be over. I'll be fired. I will be whatever the story could unfold from there. But let's read a few scriptures together. And then uh, we'll kind of go on from there. So 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are! Exclamation mark. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Let's read on. Let's read another scripture. Ephesians 1, th verses 3 to 14. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ. 
Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews were, fir- were the first to trust in Christ, would bring the praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, and the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. Wait, I think I, is that right? 14 to 17. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when He adopted you as His own children. Now we call Him Abba Father, for His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share His glory, we must also share his suffering. Some good news in there. What, what stuck out to you guys? Anything? Where are his kids? His children, right? Chosen, like, like, like he's called us. Mm. Right. Yes, we've been chosen by God. We're his children, we're chosen. Anything else? When I consider like the intimacy of I have a father, when I like look at my own son and hear him say data to me, mm. how surreal a moment like that is of some person relying and depending on me in the ways that, that he does. It's just a, a beautiful picture of what we're able to do with our Father. It's, it's, it's a cool picture. Yes. Anything else, guys? How does that sit with you when you hear those words? Do you feel like, uh, hopeful, resistant? Pretty hopeful? Yeah. Good. Mm. 
Yeah. Right. Yes. It's almost like inherently vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. I feel kind of positive. I find it's going to be comforting. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Can it say anyone else feel both simultaneously? Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're literally in the middle. Yes. But then there's this, oh, I like, like, I have to, I have to fully depend on him in the unknown mm. to go into this space that, like, you know, share in the suffering, right? There is going mm. to be suffering. There is going to be some stuff that I fully trust and walk out. Mm. It could, like, to me, I'm like, oh, there's a cliff. I'm going to jump off a cliff, you know, like, yeah. you don't know. You just have that I'm hearing him correctly. Yes. Like, so yeah. Both. Yes. Yes. Hmm. It's interesting that, that Romans talks about like the, we're, we're made to share in his glory and like that at the end, right? If we share in his, his sufferings or whatever. And like the glory of God is actually the relational experience of the father, the son and the spirit together. Right? So we're, we're meant to share in that relationship whatever comes, that's the glory of God. And it is a scary, vulnerable place to be. Um, but the fact that God chooses us and, and wants relationship with us is, is really the thing I wanted to draw our attention to in, in that, because it's very easy for us to think like, why me? Like, do you, do you know all my brokenness? Do you know how messed up I am? And like Jillian was talking about in that picture, it's, it's like this whole idea of learning to bring those things into the presence of God and allow him to fill up those empty spaces and those places that are broken. But that is inherently vulnerable and scary if we don't know that God is actually good and wants to be in relationship with us. Like if we're on, if our mindset is like, hey, we're on the chopping block at any point, God could change his mind about me. Anyone else feel like that? Nervous laughter. Uh, <laughs> uh, Occasionally, yeah, I imagine most of us feel that way. Like, okay, this could be it. And I think the truth is that there's, that's never going to come the day when God's like, hey, I've had enough of you, buddy. Uh, that was the last straw. And that enables us to kind of slowly, gradually, graciously walk out with God, our identity as sons and daughters. So how are we given this identity of, as children of God? I thought I was the child of Mason and Rebecca. How does this work? And this is all tied into the good news of the gospel, right? So we are, we are grafted into, we are hidden in Christ. We are, we are gifted by Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, his taking our place, his place with the Father. So we are actually brought into the very relationship that Jesus has with the Father, the very anointing that Jesus has in the Spirit to experience as, as sons and daughters what he has always known. 
So Colossians 3, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory, in all that relationship with the Father and the Son and in the Spirit. So we, as humans, you know, are struggling daily to understand and unpack and live out our identity as human beings in general. Um, imagine like going up to meet someone and instead of saying, how are you? You say, who are you? Imagine their look on their face like, what do I say here? Do I am... I work, I, uh, I like the Maple Leafs. These are weak identity statements, if that's... But equally strange would be, I am a beloved child of God. But what is more true? The truest thing about you is that you're a beloved child of God. Um, becoming this, believing this, living this out, walking this out is only possible as we live lives that are empowered by the, by the Holy Spirit. Um, following Jesus' example of the to the very heart of the Father, like we talked about last week. And Jesus comes to show us what a, a, a human being, secure in their identity in, in, of, as sons, looks like. That's pretty remarkable. So you think about Jesus' continual yes to the Holy Spirit, his continual empowerment by the Holy Spirit, his continual surrendering his own will to the will of the Father. In that place of surrender and a partnership, some incredible things happen. God's kingdom is put on display. See, the thing is, though, for us, it's very difficult for us to believe that these things are true of us. And so we begin to craft and form these false selves because we feel like that's actually what God is after is this actualized or idealized version of us. And so let's just look at a few hallmarks of the false self and the true self. Just loading here, guys. That's okay. I'm a child of God. I'm okay with uncomfortable silence. Wow. Maybe not that. I'm mean, no, just kidding. Oh, there we go. Okay, the false self. Security. See, this kind of like gets at you a bit this morning. Security and significance is achieved by what we have, what we can do, and what others think of us. E. Happiness sought in autonomy from God and in its attachments. Identity is our idealized self, who we want others to think we are, achieved by means of pretense and practice, maintained by effort and control, embraces illusion as a means of attempting to become a God. Anyone? All right, what about the true self? What would it look like to live out our true identity? We find our security and significance is achieved by, being, by being deeply loved by God. Fulfillment is found in surrender to God and living our vocation or our calling. Identity is who we are and are becoming in Christ. Received as a gift with gratitude and surrender, maintained by grace, embraces reality as the place of meeting and being transformed by God. Quite a stark difference, right? Jesus lived as his true self always. We read in Matthew chapter 3 um, about the baptism of Jesus. And this is what we're all really longing to hear. And Jesus hears on our behalf and shares this with us. 
After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. So back to that picture of Hannah. She stumbles into the room with her cart of stuff and her multiple layers of clothing on. Father, what do you think of me? We're all longing to hear these words. You are my dearly loved child who brings me great joy. And the good news is that in Christ, that is, the, that is what we can hear. Let's be real though. There is an actual uh, enemy called the accuser who will do everything he can to keep you from hearing God's yes. Literally everything he can. He will rub your nose in the shame of your past, reminding you of it as often as he can. He will bring up all the criticisms that have been voiced by other people, specifically people of influence or authority in your life. And you could hear things like this, like, hey, God is, you know, you're a beloved child of God, and maybe this is your thought process. Hey, that's true of you. I'm happy for you. That is not true of me. There's this immediate disqualification of yourself and a qualification for everyone else. The enemy wants to lie to you as often as, as he can because he can't diminish who God is as a good father, as a God who is gracious and merciful, who brings us in as we are broken and makes us whole again. And so all he can do is just try to rub our nose in our past, diminish and lie. And that is what he's after. The thing is, he doesn't really need to go far to find fodder for that. We all have our own struggles and, and feelings of insignificance or insecurity. You're not fast enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not strong enough. I'm sure you could fill in your own along the way. And so for many of us, maybe we've grown up in an environment in our upbringing or even in our current situation where we don't actually hear a lot of encouragement. We hear a lot of shame rather than being... Um, encouraged on a daily basis. And I am a, a huge believer in encouragement. I've talked about this many times from up here, but I think it's like, how do we become a community of people who is extravagantly encouraging? Not a bunch of people who blow smoke up each other's butt, but just are, when we see something, we call it out and we look the person in the eye and maybe it's too long and it's uncomfortable, but it's like, you need to hear this. You are loved. And I'm going to stare at you for five seconds till it sinks in. Come see me after and we'll try it. But imagine, imagine if you walk in this morning and you are under the accusation of the enemy. I'm such an idiot. How could I do that? Man, this memory keeps popping back up into my head. Uh, maybe I'm not really forgiven. All these things are flooding into our head and someone finds you and says, hey man, listen, you are so good at listening to your kids. I just watched you the other day when you're doing that. I'm so proud of you. I can see you becoming more like Jesus every day. Awkward silence for five seconds. But there's something that's changing in the other person. So as brothers and sisters, part of this responsibility is, is shared with us. This responsibility of walking out our identity is, is a shared experience. Hey, remind me when I forget. And hey, can I remind you when you forget? Because like I said, many of us have never heard God's yes over us. But we can hear it through the voice of our brothers and sisters. Amen. I was reading Theo a book uh, called Mr. Stink. As, um, it's a perfect book for an eight-year-old boy. But there's a character in this story. The main character, her name is Chloe. And she is the oldest daughter of a mother who is incredibly perfectionist. And is all, she's essentially uh, the, the false self in a, in a character. 
Um, she's, and she is continually diminishing who Chloe is, her interests, who she, what she wants to be, and praising this other daughter who is falling into this same type of like um, keeping up appearances, false self type of thing. And so as the story progresses, uh, this comes to a crescendo where uh, there's this moment where this, th there, uh, I'm trying not to give you the whole story, but there's a moment of significance where they're in front of a large group of people. And for once in her life, the truth about who Chloe is is spoken by this character called Mr. Stink. And so as her mom is there and she's the one who's kind of always diminishing Chloe. And as this, this truth is spoken about who, who, who Chloe is by this guy named Mr. Stink, this is the, the line that the author put. These words fell on Chloe like an enormous yes. These words fell on Chloe like an enormous yes. And this just, like, as I was reading it to Theo this week, I was like, this is actually what it's, it's about. For so, for so many of us, we hear a continuous no, or not you, or you're not enough or be better, or whatever it might be. And what God wants to speak to us in Christ, through what Jesus has done for us, through his life, death, and resurrection, through Jesus joining himself to us in our sin and brokenness and lostness, we are brought into the very center of the eternal dance of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And we share in Jesus' relationship with his Father and his anointing in the Spirit. And where what's true of Jesus is now true of us. This is the place where we can hear and those words can fall on us like an enormous yes. You are seen. You are loved. You are safe. You have been made new in Jesus. For so many of us, we have worked hard at creating a false self. We have worked hard at hiding who we really are. We have worked hard to believe that Maybe if I do this or this, then I'll be loved, then I'll be accepted, then I'll be seen. And the good news for you today is that in Christ, you are seen. In Christ, you are loved. In Christ, you can be your true self. He knows it all, like we talked about last week, and that doesn't scare him away. So what I want to do to close, guys, is I'm going to read you guys from the scriptures. There is, I have some of these printed out. These are the Who I Am in Christ scriptures. So these are true statements about who you are and they are going to be hard to believe at first. But I think as we practice the presence of God, as we yearn to be with him, what I want us to do this week is I want us to, when we're struggling, and even when you're thinking about someone else in your community group or someone else in your community, when you see something about like that resonates with you in that person, call them up and remind them. And when you're sitting there by yourself and you're struggling with your past or shame is coming back up, pull this piece of paper out and remind yourself of the truth of who you are in Christ. Okay, so this is something, again, like I, I felt like I can't convince you of this myself. I can't teach this to you in such a way. This is something that has to be experienced um, in your spirit, and God has to communicate this to you this morning. And so I felt like what I want to do is I want to read these and um, maybe even practice that awkward silence of just letting them sink into you. Does that sound okay? Okay, so if you guys want to stand, if you want to open your hands, if you want to stand, if you, you want to do whatever you want to do, I just want to read the truth of who you are in Christ over you. So Lord, as we close this morning, I ask that by your spirit, you would write these things on our hearts. Lord, where the, the lies of the enemy, the accusations of the enemy, our false selves have kind of tattooed these things on our hearts. Lord, would you remove them in Jesus' name? 
And would you write the truth of who we are in you in its place? We thank you, Lord, that none of this is possible or none of this is true without what you have done. This is all tied back to who you are, God, actually. So you are a gracious and compassionate God. You are slow to anger. You are a good, good father. Lord, your mercy triumphs over judgment. And so I just pray that as we hear these things this morning, may they go deep, deep, deep into us. And may they be a reservoir that, that leads us on into more and more transformation and more and more effectiveness on mission and love for one another and for you. You are highly esteemed. You are now God's child. You are loved by Christ and freed from your sins. You are forgiven of all of your sins. You are justified from all things. You are the righteousness of God. You are free from all condemnation. You can forget the past. You are a new creature. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are redeemed from the curse of the law. You are reconciled to God. You are beloved by God. You are a saint and loved by God. You are holy and without blame before God. You are called by God. You have been given fullness in Jesus. You have been delivered from the power of darkness. You are accepted by Christ. You are the salt of the earth. You can do all things through Christ. You are being kept strong and blameless. You are the light of the world. You are dead to sin. You are alive to God. You are raised up with Christ. You are a king and a priest to God. You are loved with an everlasting love. You are an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. You are qualified to inherit the kingdom. You are more than a conqueror. You have been healed by the wounds of Jesus. You are a citizen and a member of God's household. You belong. You are kept by God's power. You are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You have everlasting life. You have been crucified with Christ. You have been given all things that pertain to life. You are a partaker of the divine nature. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have peace with God. You are a chosen royal priest. You have a guaranteed inheritance. You are a fellow citizen in God's household. Jesus' truth has set you free. You always triumph in Christ. You are Jesus Christ's hands. You are holy, without blemish, free from accusation. Amen. You have eyes to see God's eternal purpose. Christ is being formed in you. We see it. You are anointed by the Holy One. God's love is lavished upon you. He is able to keep you, you, from falling. He's able to. He is, you are God's house. God has given you a spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind. You are convinced that he is able to guard what you've entrusted to him. He has considered you faithful and appointed you to his service. You are justified by faith. The spirit himself intercedes for you. He's praying for you. Inwardly, you are being renewed day by day. 
It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. You are held together by him. You have the mind of Christ. You have all your needs met by God according to his riches and glory in Christ. You are raised up with Christ and seated in heavenly places. You are born of the imperishable seed of God's word. You are qualified to share in the inheritance of the kingdom. So Lord, may these truths be written on our hearts. Lord, help us live out our identity as sons and daughters. Help us encourage one another, Lord, and help us um, continue to see Christ formed in each and every one of us. And may we revel and rejoice and dance um, and, and just glory in you, God, as you have set us free, that you welcome all of us in, all of our broken bits, and you want to make us whole. And so, Jesus, we thank you for your, your life, death, and resurrection, that you paid the price to bring us back home. In Jesus' name, amen.